People deluded, I'm back again. It's another edition of the Deluded Podcast. Obviously, it's been an eventful week in football. It's been an eventful week for Arsenal. It's been an eventful week for Arsenal fans. It has been an eventful week for myself. So, yeah, thank you again for tuning in to another edition of, you know, the podcast. It is what it is. I'm YouTube's N'Golo Kante and them things there. But we have to diversify our products as we improve ourselves and to be honest, people, a lot of you were getting on to me about not having a podcast, so I've ran with it. I'm trying. It's not perfect. I'm not perfect. It is what it is. Um, in fact, I was listening to my podcast the other day. The audio was terrible because, obviously, I lost uh, an adapter part of my camera. For those who don't know, typically when I'm hearing this pod, when I'm making this podcast, when you hear that, uh, it's the camera, people. Poor people, we is people. We don't have them expensive Suttons where you have them mad cameras that can just record from start to finish and all them things. So we're working with what we have. Um, because I lost that, I had to balance the camera on something. And as a result of balancing the camera, um, when I pressed the camera, I was like leaning to stay in shot in it. And that, as a result of that, I'm moving away from the mic to get resulting in <clears throat> a poorer quality output than usual. So I apologize for that, people. You know when Mustafi and them man there make mistakes and it's and it's continuous. You know delude is not like that. Um, you get it? I'm I'm a bad man or something in this YouTube thing. Like I have a bad game. You lot get onto me, but I'm back again. I'm typically scoring goals and whatnot. Enough of blowing my own trumpet and gassing myself and and them things there. Let's review the Premier League. What's actually happened before we talk about the midweek fixtures that are to come? Arsenal play on Thursday. I'm so sure it's Spurs United tomorrow on Wednesday. Well, I'm guessing about tomorrow because it's Tuesday tomorrow. Well, it might be Tuesday by the time you hear this, but either way, I'm guessing it's on Wednesday. It's all on Amazon Prime, which is a bit of history as well. So yeah, man, we'll get on to that. But what's actually happened now? Let's start off with Manchester City people. Now I think we have to accept Liverpool winning the league now. I don't want to, you lot know me, I don't believe in writing narratives until May because if you believe it, Spurs were done for, for and we're going to be doing similar to what Arsenal is doing right now. Potentially battling relegation, showing relegation form. Jose's come, they've moved up the table. People said once upon a time, Lampard, Chelsea are looking rubby and whatnot. They went on a winning run. Um, they're having a bit of a blip now and they lost in the previous fixtures, but you get the point, narratives are being written. But... It's looking mad, man. I think Liverpool defensively are looking by their own standards a bit frail, but more more to the point, they're, they're, they're getting results. They're winning week in, week out. Their players are doing their thing and they're taking advantage, people. I'll, I'll bring up the Premier League at some point, but I'm pretty sure they're 10-11, if well, anything from 9 to 11 points clear of Manchester City. Now, Liverpool have obviously been in this situation last season in that they had a massive points gap. Will the players, and the, well, the manager obviously will learn, but will the players... Be smart enough to remember what it felt like to drop the um, to look back in May and think of the period you dropped points and think of the lead the lead you had in the league and to think of that bottling. Remember how it made you feel finishing second place and using that to drive you to do one better. Similar to what I say about Arsenal in our own problems, I think Liverpool probably will. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, Liverpool aren't our greatest of rivals, but we've but we've got beef with them. And if you're older than me, we've got beef with them. We don't want to see them win the league, but you have to give your hats off to them. It's hard not to like... You don't know me, I'm not a biased person, or I try not to be. Just football at its purest sense, it's hard not to like Liverpool and what Klopp is doing, how the players are with Klopp, how they resonate to the tactics, because it's all good, fine and dandy. As you see at Arsenal, with Emre leaving people, it's all fine and dandy having your ideas and whatnot. But if the players are unable to take it on, if the players don't really show enthusiasm or really want to understand what you're doing, then it can't bang. Do you think Klopp could tell these lot press and do this and do that? And I'll give you a perfect example. Set pieces. People laughed at Liverpool when they were bringing a number of individuals, people. Um, you know, they had a they had a throwing coach and all of these sort of things. People mocked it. But you look at Liverpool, they're one of the best, if not the best side in the Prem with, league, with, with set pieces and scoring from set pieces. The players had to buy into that and want to show that they wanted to learn because they're the ones executing it. But we're going off topic. City... It's a madness. They've got centre-half issues. They look frail. Yeah, it's, it's probably frustrating for Pep Guardiola in that he was in this last year being chasing Liverpool and he's obviously won numerous titles, league titles at that. So he's obviously been around the block, but it's got to be frustrating, people. It's got to be frustrating. The more they drop points, having dropped more points, I'm sure, than last season, I don't know that to be true. It's got to be frustrating for them, people. Um, they were poor. I watched the game. I think people got to... Obviously, people, Steve Bruce isn't the greatest of managers. And I mean that in no disrespect, because at the end of the day, 
he has managed in the Premier. He's not only played professional football, but he's managed in the Premier League. Done things in the game. I would want. I would love to do. So I'm not trying to disrespect him, but he's not the greatest of managers held in high esteem, and people are quick to bash him. But I think he done a good defensive masterclass, people. And I think that's where Newcastle. I wouldn't say they've done decent, but they've done all right against the top six sides or the top four sides or whatever. They obviously claimed a point. They lost against us. You know, when the one of the rare times Arsenal's on the positive side of stats I had to plug that people. Um. But I'm sure they beat United or, or done something. Even when they lost to Liverpool at the start of the season or near enough that time, they played all right. And I think Steve Bruce defensively, the players and Steve Bruce, they have to take... I'll give my hat off to them, man. Cause I think obviously they rid their luck at times. But I think they deserve to win. They deserve to get something from the game. Apologies for saying winning. They played quite well. It was a good tactics and them things. Whatever they worked on all week in pre-season, um, in, in the week, um, in the build-up people, not pre-season. Don't know why I said that. It, it worked. And i got to give them credit, man. Like... John Joe Shelby was poor with them set pieces, but the one time someone laid it to him, he got a point. Now, City have to be frustrated, of course, people, because they were poor. I felt by their own standards, the play weren't quite as slick. They obviously weren't really like you would do. Steve Bruce made sure there wasn't really any space, and they really struggled to play any real fluid football or play with a swagger in the zip that we've seen from Pep Guardiola City sides and these individuals. Um, and they kind of made, I want to say they made it easy for, for um, Newcastle. Cause I don't want to take anything from Newcastle. Cause I think, you know, you have to, we're always quick to focus on City and Liverpool and what's going on when the two teams face each other and for obvious reasons. But I think Newcastle, they did their thing. They've had their own question marks. I think Al Mourinhoan, I'm sure he got an assist, but he looks too hungry to get a goal and assist from a Newcastle perspective. I would be frustrated with him. Like, I'm not here to bash players, but I can't see the hype. Them, them players from MLS are booky people. I tell you lot, stop screaming to sign them. Obviously, there's some exceptions to the rules. But statistically, looking at it, people... Oh, yeah, we before I talk about statistics, people, let's not forget, Kevin DeBrano scored a mad goal. That was a bang of people in which... And that's also got to be frustrating because... Obviously, you can't like Liverpool. Liverpool weren't necessarily at their best when they um they won today and um, won one in in the recent games. But you've got to get results. And considering how they played and and when Kevin De Bruyne scored, City should be seeing that out. And they let themselves down from a set piece. It is a cheap way to concede. Like I said, I felt Newcastle deserved something, but you see where I'm going. So Newcastle are unbeaten each of their last four home games um, against the top flight reigning champions for the first time since a run of five ended in 2003. So that's a positive step for Newcastle. Manchester City obviously have found the net in each of their last 22 games against Newcastle. Um, Kevin De Bruyne has obviously had a hand in six in six, six goals in six appearances against Newcastle. So for the FPL man, next time that fixture comes around and Kevin De Bruyne is playing, let's get him in the team, people. Do you get where I'm going? Um, interestingly, eight of Newcastle's 13 Premier League goals this season have been scored by defenders, people. That's 62% and the biggest in the Premier League. So, obviously, well, you don't need to tell Newcastle. They do struggle for goals. Joe Linton's a very decent target man, but he's not necessarily prolific like that. Um, Almerignon's been struggling with consistent goals and assists. You look at the Newcastle squad, there's not really any goal scorers. Um... I know they had Perez and that, but he's obviously gone to Newcastle. You see what I'm saying? I'm really struggling to name Newcastle attacking players, really and truly. I can name more midfielders and defenders, really. Like the Longstaff um, brothers come to mind. Um, Williams comes to mind. Um, Kieran Clark comes to mind. Um, who else? He's in midfield, but Hayden, um, Isaac Hayden, former Arsenal lad. Do you get the point? Like You really struggle to think of Newcastle attacking players, people. I'm really struggling here, people. I was about to say Mitrovic, but he bust that time ago. But moving on, Crystal Palace away from home claimed a 2-0 victory over Sean Dyches' Burnley, which is a good result for Crystal Palace because they haven't been on the best of form. Important clean sheet. Zaha obviously doing his thing, people, um, and showing why clubs had failed bids for him in the summer. Um, clean sheet away from home against Burnley, 2-0 victory. What more can you ask for? With that, Palace have won four of their last six, four of, um, their, sorry, people, Palace have won four of their last um four of their last their last four league meetings against Burnley. The printing is gone out on that people. I had a hard time reading that, but um Burnley have lost four of their last six Premier League games, people winning just two. And after that, people, they be prior to that run, they won they lost just two of their previous eight prior to this losing run, people. So again, Sean Dyke has to get it right, um and whatnot. Interestingly, Burnley, aside you wouldn't attribute to attacking people, had 15 shots in that game. More than more um, 
the most they've had in a Premier League home game since 2017 um, against West Brom, which was 20. Um, Palace seem to be on job away from away from London, um, really and truly people outside London because they've won six of their last seven games in such people. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Schlopp scored for the first time in 21 Premier League games, people doing last doing so in February against Fulham. So um, I'm sure that's a that's a relief for him because obviously professional footballers, you, these things will play on your mind. Similar to it's completely different, but Pepe is not exactly playing well for Arsenal when he is on the field. It's hard to show you you've improved if you're not on the field. <laughs> Lumberg, no, nah, I'm gassing, man. Freddie's my guy, man. A bit of bants, but um, Chelsea lost one nil against West Ham. Boy, big three points for West Ham. Boy for for Chelsea. Boy. Boy, for the first time, well, not for the first time this season, but in the last couple of games, you've really seen the frailties. For me, Chelsea need to sign a centre-half. Um, it is well, it is. Let's not forget, people, Chelsea are still having great shots. They still play attacking football. It just similar remi- It just reminds me of Arsenal many moons ago when Arsenal was at that point where we would have 25 shots and lose 1-0. You get that feeling that Chelsea have to outscore teams to win. Obviously, Lampard has to work with what he's got because of the transfer ban and whatnot. And Tamori and a couple other centre-halves have done well. They clearly miss Rudiger. And I'm sure most Chelsea fans would want to invest in other areas, but would also want to sign a, a centre-half. I'm not a Chelsea fan, people, but I can't wait till Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes back as well. He's completely irrelevant from this conversation or the point. But I think that player, is a, he's sick, man. He should be going Euros. But moving on, Chelsea in that game had 19 shots, but failed to score people. That's the most they've had in a league game at Stamford Bridge without finding a net since their 21 against Bournemouth in 2018. Chelsea are yet to gain a single point from a losing position in the Premier League, people. They've lost all four four games in which they've fallen behind. Now, that is concerning. Like I said, if Chelsea don't necessarily outscore and now, based on evidence, take the lead in games, are they necessarily going to claw themselves back in it? It's completely different, but similar to Arsenal. If we, we have trouble, whether you have trouble starting games, seeing out games or coming back from behind, how can you expect to win Premier League titles, qualify for the Champions League on a consistent basis and all of these sort of things there? Now, that's a weird stat. I, I, would, I wouldn't, I can't lie if I didn't see that stat or if I didn't pick up on that. And I'm sure Chelsea fans probably did. I wouldn't have known that because, I, I mean, you've got Pulisic playing hard. Callum's coming back and he's not playing amazing, but he's coming back. What's it? They've got Tammy scoring goals for fun. Obviously, he had the little knock. Um, Chelsea been doing their thing, playing stylish football. But if that's what statistics are saying, that's what statistics are saying, people. Aaron Cresswell has scored three goals in just nine Premier League games this season. His best ever return in a, in a single campaign. He might be one for the defender's slot in the FPL. I might grab him, people. <clears throat> he must have lived before he started scoring. <coughs> he must have been like 5.5 mil. Apologies, people. I need a juice. Throat is dry, but that's what this podcast thing does for you. But we do it for the cause. <coughs> and that must sound horrible. Moving on. Our opponents in midweek that are probably going to be itching before revenge. Um, that travelled down to London. Brighton travelled down to Liverpool and lost 2-1. Liverpool 2, Brighton 1. Van Dijk scored two of them goals. So, yeah, people. It, it Similar to... Similar to um, <coughs> To any league title winners, sometimes your strikers or whatever, it's not going to happen. And you're just going to need that team spirit. I think Van Dijk scoring two kind of sums up, not necessarily the team spirit because the context are different, but you just need to get over the line sort of thing. It's not always going to be Mo, Mo Salah, Mane and all of these players when they are playing to score and whatnot. But it's a crucial three points for Liverpool, especially seeing City drop points to Newcastle. Newcastle did them a big favour. With that, Liverpool have now equaled their longest ever unbeaten run in the top flight, drawing five and winning 26, also going 31 games without defeat in 1988, in March 1988. Well, from May 1987 to March 1988. With that being said, Brighton have lost nine of their last 11 away games against Liverpool. Their last victory at Anfield came in 1982. Liverpool registered 14. Can, with that, again, Liverpool have registered. I had to say it again, people. It, you know when you read something and it, and it confuses you, it astonishes you how consistent the team is. Liverpool have registered 14 consecutive home wins in the Premier League, people. That is their second longest home top flight winning run behind the 21-game streak in 1972. So that's all fun and games for Liverpool. They're winning Champions League. 
their manager is doing their thing, the players are doing their thing, VAR is helping them as well, Liverpool fans, I've got to do it, I've been praising you all podcasts. It's happy days for Liverpool, man. You can't help but be jealous, man. Like You can't help but admire it, but you can't help but be jealous, man. And I'm hoping Brighton ain't on no revenge stuff against Arsenal because when they come to the Emirates, I keep saying we need a victory. But I swear it's almost touching two months since Arsenal last won against Bournemouth. So we need to pattern up because I've spent a lot of money going to games and not walked away with three points. Moving on. Liverpool unbeaten in each of their last 98 Premier League home games at Anfield, people, when they are leading at half-time. And guess who defeated them in 2009, people, when this last happened? Take a wild guess. It's only going to be Arsenal. Of course we do this thing. I told you, when there's some Arsenal positive stats, we've got to milk them, people, because there ain't many. Um, It is what it is. Van Dijk has scored more Premier League goals, people, than any other defender since the start of last season, which is at seven. Alisson became the first Liverpool goalkeeper to be sent off since 2012 when Doney got sent off. Um, since the start of last season, no Premier League player has more Premier League um, Premier League assists than, you guessed it, Trent Alexander-Arnold with 17. So goals are coming from, from all over the field. People are playing consistent. Obviously, Alisson's missing for the next game. Um and whatnot, if if it is, well, yeah, he's missing for the next game with the red and that, almost forgot <laughs> to send it off, um, but it is what it is in that regards. Now, Spurs got another vital three points under their new manager, Jose Mourinho, again, and it's more concerning when you're seeing, obviously, as an Arsenal fan, you're happy Chelsea lost, but Spurs are getting back to winning ways, Leicester won't stop complicating the top four places, all the others, only United are as poor as us, and laughing at United is literally too... Homeless men in the outside of bookies laughing at each other like they're both in the same situation. No disrespect to the homeless people at all, especially in the winter as well. And make sure you donate to a charities because I, I donated to a couple as well because it's cold out there, man. Um, but yeah, Spurs got three points, scoring goals. Deli Ali under Jose looks on this thing again. Toby out of road, vintage Toby with that assist, people. Vintage. I think the only thing, you, the only player, Spurs player is probably sour right now is, is Sanchez because, uh, as I said, a half, he scored a decent guy in the Premier League. You know, he could have been gassing that one after, but it got disallowed for VAR. The only criticism Spurs fans probably have of their team right now is fair play, you've got back into winning run and winning games again. But that being said, these score lines aren't really. Obviously, in the game, you know how it went, but 3 2 Bournemouth kind of implies that that was a tight game. And based on the highlights, it didn't look. If you watch the game, then I can't tell you nothing. But based on the highlights, it did not look like a like a like a tight game. And I'm sure Spurs did that against West Ham as well. Like they're in cruise control and they conceded two cheap goals. Um, that's something that's going to have to improve. And Spurs for the last couple of years have been solid, solid defensively. And of recent, I say last couple of years, but you know when they were in their prime and Pochettino was in the height of his Spurs tenure, they were very good defensively. And the wheels are falling off in that regards. And Jose Mourinho ain't going to be happy with that because when Jose, you know, Jose is a defensive manager and he, and whatnot, not to criticise him. So he ain't going to be happy with that. The players aren't going to be happy with that because, again, not not comparable to Chelsea. But, again, is it is it a thing where your game management skills aren't necessarily there? Are you relying on outscoring teams? But it is what it is. Their form isn't going to... like What What I mean by the form is obviously they're winning games, but I'm sure most Spurs fans they're not would agree they're not playing dramatically better than they have been in their poor form. Every game they're getting better and better and there's still teething problems and whatnot, I'm sure. But it's a vital three points and it's a, and it's, it's, it's as you mean to go on. Like, like I said, Jose's just got the job. Like He's not going to be able to implement what he is going to do. Of course, as an Arsenal fan, I hope Spurs don't get to full, full flight and I hope they lose games similar to how they were doing at the start of the year. But boy, um, interestingly though, as much as I am saying that it, I did think Spurs looked like, based on the highlights, they they had enough. Um, Bournemouth did have a couple good quality chances to score. They obviously scored two goals. They should have taken advantage of more, to be fair with you. And they really shot themselves in the foot, conceding cheap goals and just not being switched on, people. Cheap goals, I'm sure Bournemouth fans would say that. Spurs fans, to talk about defending and that, they conceded 20 shots against Bournemouth, people. The last time they got peppered like that was in 2015, where they conceded 22 against Manchester City. That's something to think about. Um, Dele Alli's been involved in three Premier League goals in his last two games for Spurs under Jose, obviously grabbing one assist and two goals. He 
that's as many as he managed in his previous 12 under Pochettino. So is it a new role? Is he revitalised? Has something been said as a as a boost to his confidence? Because I'm sure Spurs fans would agree. The last two couple two seasons or so, Deli Ali hasn't exactly been that Deli Ali. He's still a good player. And I, I like Deli Ali. Like he's a Spurs fan. He's a Spurs player, sorry. But I'll, I'll have him at Arsenal. I, I'm a big Deli Ali fan. Um, I'd say for me, just as a Deli Ali fan, the older he gets, she kind of needs to decide what's going to be his central main position and then as games and, and managers demand you can change because you're probably saying it's that second you, know, you could never rule it I don't think he would but never beco- becoming a striker in his own right but he clearly is that if he's not he, for me is that you you give him a free roll he makes that that running he makes that run that run like you saw for Toby's assist he's given the freedom to do that at MK Dons he was doing that but I'm sure he had he was playing slightly deeper and he was playing a a bit more like Gerard. It's, 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 it's just the only way I can describe it. Of course, I'm not saying like Gerard, but a bit like that. And I have seen him play deeper at Spurs. And obviously, the way he plays for Spurs might not be how he can play for England. And he does his thing for England, but is his form for England necessarily as good as it could be um, to get where I'm going? The older he gets, I think he needs to decide on what he's going to be. And that's I always draw the comparison at Arsenal to Joe Willett because I've seen Joe Willett play deep lying, seen him do the cam, seen him do box to box. You're looking at it, he's 20 now. Main thing is just experience, but what midfielder are you going to be? Like, what are you going to be? Do you get it? You don't want players to become a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And that can be said for a lot of players in many situations. You look at Theo Walcott, for a long time we knew the man was a winger, but one minute it's winger, then it's striker, then it's winger, then it's striker, then he concedes finally that he's a winger. Do you get it? need to decide. Paul Pogba, we all know he's a central midfielder, and for me, you, he box the box. I like him in that role. Um, and you give him creative freedom, but what specific midfielder is he? I'm not criticising Paul Pogba because similar to Daly, I think he's a terrific baller, quality footballer, nothing less. There's a reason he's a World Cup winner. I'm a big fan of Pogba. It's just a shame the club shirts that he wears. Um, moving on from that, people. Um, Musa Sissoko scored for the first time in 69 appearances for Spurs. Um, he last scored in 2017 against Huddlesfield, um, September of that year. Um, Jefferson Lerma has picked up the most um, yellow cards which are 18 since the start of last season so that might be something for him to work on um, is what it is um, we can't not speak about Harry Wilson's free kick that was a bad boy goal like I mean it remains to be seen if he's going to get a chance or able to break through at Liverpool but we knew from last year seeing him at Derby that he's a Premier League footballer in because of the dynamics of the game right now, you're thinking, if I'm Liverpool, I'm thinking that's full. With the market today, people, I can't lie. Harry Wilson's already a full easily now. Whether you believe he's worth it or not, 40, 50 million pound player. In an ideal world, like if football was real terms, I'm just saying 25 for him. But it's if I'm Liverpool perspective, there's no reason seeing some, play, some players with less stability go for more. Why, you can't get 40, 50 for him. And for Liverpool, can, like just say if they... Whether they introduce him into the team is another thing because he could be a decent squad player or a decent rotation option. But if they were to sell him and get 40, 50 million pounds for a player that's come from their academy, more or less, whether he's bought from another club or not, he's made 100% profit, give or take. And that can be put into other things and that might help Klopp. Um, ad- not like Liverpool need it because ah, he's spending 70 odd million on Van Dijk, but that could be slapped onto, I don't know, if he wanted another central midfielder or something like that um, or, or a defender or whatever Klopp or, or Liverpool decide they want to improve on, um, maybe a cam sort of that 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 player to replace Coutinho or or obviously that that sort of player because didn't they go for Fakir or, uh, Fakir one time and for whatever reason that didn't happen but yeah, Southampton beat Watford two one and it's a big three points for Southampton. Again, Arsenal revitalizing teams once they play us. Southampton have won from a losing position at halftime for only the second time in their last 44 Premier League games. And that was a good goal from James Wood-Prowse, I've got to say that, people. Ishmael Assar made some history, becomes the 27th Senegalese player to score in the Premier League. With only Nigeria boasting more different scorers among African nations, which is 31. Um, Only Letizia 7 has scored more direct free-kick goals for Southampton in the Premier League than James Wood-Prowse, which is five. And we got blessed with two terrific free kicks this season. Well, this week, people. I don't know which one was better out of Harry Wilson's that I saw between Harry Wilson's and Wood-Prowse. And they're both terrific strikers of a ball. Uh, but they were both quality, man. <sighs> Arsenal, people. <sighs> what do you lot want me to say at this point, people? Like, 
What do you want me to sit here and say about Arsenal? Like, you lot can't say anything, but what do you lot want me to say about Arsenal? And it, I was genuinely enjoying this podcast until I just saw Arsenal 2, Nor- Norwich 2. What do you lot want me to say? I can talk about the tactics, what went right, right in the game, what went wrong. I'm by no means criticising Lomberg. In fact, let me get in. I owe it to you lot to get into it now. For Lomberg, it's his first game. There's not much he's going to be able to change, I believe, whether he was given this position till May, much less in a training session or two. At most, you was hoping going into this game, the fact that it's a new manager, it's Lomberg, um, certain players might be revitalised because they didn't like playing under Emery, they might not have felt they got a look in under Emery. Do you get it? Do you, just, you know when teams get a new manager, you see them play trash one week and amazing the next. You was hoping for that feel-good factor, that that sort of thing, the shackles are free sort of thing. You was just, just in essence a better performance. I wouldn't say I expected a win because how can you say Arsenal expected a win? We haven't, we're touching almost two months since Arsenal last claimed a Premier League victory coming against Bournemouth. And I even remember that game because I was at the Emirates and even then on another day we were screaming, yo, if Bournemouth took their chances, that's not a 2-1 or whatever result it was, people. Like, for what it was, what I'll credit Lomberg with, I don't feel I'm going to, I can't critique him for this game really because, like, the players are dead. Like, the players are dead like, what could he change, really? We know what it is. Um, obviously, the formation and some of his decisions, I looked at him and thought, yo, like the Pepe thing, Pepe not starting surprised me. Pepe not coming on. I think a lot of fans need to lie with all the Saka thing. I'm not getting into it. Um, I wouldn't have brought on Saka for, instead of Pepe, sorry, people, but it is what it is. I think Lundberg, you need to allow him to make the, the substitution and whether we all want the star players and we've all got our opinions, but fans need to concede. It's a squad of 26. It's a squad. It's a game. It's a 38 game period. Different games are required for different contexts. Of course, managers get it wrong. Of course, we're allowed our opinions, but not everyone is going to play every game. And if you're in a first team environment, whether you believe Saka is good or not, the manager, Lumberg, who's just come in, has the right to make whatever decision he wants. If he believes Saka is the one, Saka will go. And for some fans, pardon my language, people are pissing me off with this Saka stuff. They're pissing me off with this Nelson stuff. They're annoying me with all of it because. Fans, you're allowed your opinions. You're allowed to say some young players ain't good enough and this and that. But what annoys me about football fans is these hot takes. You lot think I talk for free. When I say 10 games, young players, you don't know what you're going to get for 10 games. And the best thing they need to do is get a 10-game period. Why? Because what happens typically when you see teams? Teams, especially experienced players, that drop a 6 out of 10 will play week in, week out, but not necessarily a young player. Why? Because they haven't got consistency in their period. A young player might give you a 7 one week, a 9 the other, a 3 the other. Managers will be scared and opt for 6s. That's the dynamic of young players. People love too many hot takes. I'm not throwing Arsenal fans under the bus, but to highlight the point, Arsenal fans, you were waxing lyrical about Saka. He needs to improve in many aspects, physically as well, and he would have learned that against Sheffield United, a game he played, not amazing because none of the team did, but he played all right. United, Old Trafford, he did his thing. Bournemouth, I'm sure, forgive me if I'm wrong, he did his thing. Um, he was unlucky to be subbed, I'm sure, I'm sure against Aston Villa, he did his thing. So if you look on the face of the games he's played, isolated in the Premier League, because he's done locked off the Europa League, Saka's been doing his thing in the Cup, we don't even need to speak about that. He has done well. He hasn't played 10 games, but if you look at the games he's played and the more the games he's actually played substantial minutes, he's turned up. Games he's come off the bench, he's done his thing, but we're not going to harp on about that because I'm not here to gas up 10 and 12 minutes. Saka is still developing. And if you believe he's not good enough, he can go on loan, he this and that, you're all allowed that. That's the dynamic. That is football. But what I can't take is the flip-flopping. You can't say Saka is their bee's knees one week and then say he's dead the next week. Like, it's one extreme and the other. These are young players. Joe Willock, I love Joe Willock, but the, and he's played amazing this season at times, especially towards um towards the start against Liverpool. Ironically, he's played good against Liverpool twice, but against Norwich, all of the midfield were playing good for twenty minutes and they turned dead. Joe Willock needs to improve off the ball. He switched off for a couple of goals for both the goals. They weren't him directly, and he's not the only one to blame. But what I'm getting at is these young players are still developing. Give them time. I'm not saying these men need to play week in week out. You earn it. Saka doesn't deserve to, not, for want of a better word, Saka doesn't deserve to be in the first 11 right now, Arsenal, because he's had the injuries and he's fallen off a bit. But he did previous weeks ago when he was on fire and whatnot. You're seeing experienced things. Lacazette hasn't been there this season right now. So I lie with the young players, man. Give them time. Yeah, you can't bang on. People like, even Martinelli, people banging on for Martinelli. You think when Martinelli's playing 10 games or 6 games or so, people aren't going to say this. Be consistent. Ironically, the one thing these players are getting in. 
I'm getting angry, people. You lot know I love young players and that, and I'll always defend the Nelsons and all of these young players. They will come good. They will come professional footballers. Not everyone's going to be Paul Gascoigne and these men there, but some of them are going to be good squad players. Some of One of them is going to be a star player. I'm not going to reveal which one I believe that is. Naturally, some players will fall by the wayside and have to forge careers elsewhere. Sticking on the game, though, what I liked about Arsenal is... It fell off, but it was a positive 20 minutes. It was a very positive 20 minutes. We actually, I was like, I couldn't believe it. We were actually trying to play the ball forward. Like, when Dozy's got decent passing range, spraying it forward. We're playing with a bit of zip. Ultimately, why we didn't win this game is because we didn't take our chances. And again, frailties def defensively. Two things. Lumber can't be at fault for because, pardon me, apologies, people. He hasn't had time. And these defenders are rubbish. Like, the one thing I can say, I don't understand why he started Mustafi, but I get his logic. He said it's a clean slate, blah, blah, blah. You know what? He's been at training. I don't agree with it, and I believe this is why you don't start Mustafi. No disrespect to Mustafi, because they're all terrible, um, defensively, sadly. This is why you don't start Mustafi, but that's who he went with. Um, that's that's fair play. If he believes he's done his thing in the week, you play him. Xhaka's back in the team, and Xhaka didn't play dead. Xhaka did his thing. Xhaka was okay. But I think all, I think the midfielders, they were on fire one minute in the first half, and they all kind of fell off, if I'm completely honest. Cheap goals. Um, like I said, the second goal, because like the, the build-up to the goal, like there's about five incidences we can break down that play, and it only it's not only Arsenal, but it seems like only my club are the ones that concede. You know these goals where you just see them developing people? Like you can say, oh, like Aubameyang, you should have pressed that. Midfielders, midfield runners, you're not paying attention, you're not looking over your shoulders. Defenders, like Mustafi. Mustafi's more concerned with marking spaces than actually engaging. Like, it is what it is. Like, managers chose to play him. I think Lundberg would have learned a lot and he'll learn quickly not to bring players back in. It was a bit concerning, though. I'm not going to lie how he was saying Pepe in training and all these things. I don't know if that's to G him up and make him want to thing up himself. I'm not sure if there's something privately behind the scenes. I'm not sure if that's a confidence thing because his confidence looks shattered. We've kind of tried playing him week in, week out. So are we taking him away from the side at the moment? I don't know, people. Only Arsenal and people who are seeing it like that can answer that question, people. I can't. Um, Wolves and Sheffield drew 1-1 as well, people. Um, but yeah, Arsenal is the same things, people. I mean, hopefully we win at home against Brighton. It's Lundberg's. It's not his first Premier League game or his first debut as Arsenal manager, but it's his first thing under the lights as the gaffer. We're not returning home, but returning home of sorts, people. Do you get it? So hopefully there's a reaction against Brighton who should be looking at and thinking, if they're watching that analysis and training, they should think we can definitely ask questions of Arsenal. Um, on top of the well-rehearsed things that you've seen in the Premier League with Arsenal, every team should fancy playing us. Like, Brighton probably think their season starts now. Like, they beat us last season, forgive me if I'm wrong, somewhere. But it is what it is. Yeah, man, the less said about Arsenal, the better right now, people, man. Let's just let's just lie, man. Let's just lie. Everton got 1-2-1 against Everton. Everton won 2-1 against Everton. Leicester won 2-1 against Everton, people. Leicester have scored, scored only their 6th ever 90th minute winning goal in the Premier League. Leicester have won six consecutive Premier League top flight games, people, for the first time since their club record of seven in 1963. Everton have conceded more 90-minute goals than any other side in the Premier League this season at four. Everton have failed to win for the first time in 10 Premier League games in which they have scored the opening goal. Everton have won just once in their last 10 outings in the league, drawing three and losing six, which doesn't sound great. Now, how Marco Silva has a job still, I don't know, people. Emre's lost it. Pochettino's lost it. Marco Silva, if I'm, he's a good gaffer, but if I'm honest, he hasn't done anything at Everton, really. I mean, him, him and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you're looking at them and thinking, boy, are they gone? I also got to mention as well, Flores obviously was sacked by Watford. Um, and people, I'm going off topic at this moment, but before we resume, I think it's important to for me, and I'm sure you will as well, and I'll do it on you lot's behalf, um, to pay respects to Benica Fobes, um Sadly, his daughter, two-year-old daughter, has passed away. It sucks at this period, especially Christmas. It sucks that she's two years old. And it, it, the world's not fair, man. I'm not going to expand on it either, anymore. But, yeah, man, thoughts are with Benicophobe and his family and everything at this vital time. And, yeah, man, I just hope that he can get through it and he can find... I wouldn't say peace because it's not the right word because I don't know why, personally, things like this happen in this world, people. 
but just so find some way to continue day life to life because f- from whatever reason and i've seen from different circumstances but i've seen it per- personally parents should not have to lay their their loved ones or their kids sorry to rest it's, it's sad like personally i can't picture a world without my mother dying but yeah i know it'd be incredibly selfish and that's incredibly selfish to say but i wouldn't wish that on her i wouldn't wish that on anyone man that's the greatest pain and i can just i wouldn't say time's a healer but i just hope his heart can get through and his family get the strength they deserve which i know they will man and it was good from madison when he's um to show his little celebration um well not celebrate the wrong word but um what's the thing message with his with with the little message when he took off his shirt and whatnot man so yeah sad to see but moving on with that Leicester conceded a first time conceded a goal for the first time in five Premier League games people prior to that they went 446 minutes without shipping a goal as an Arsenal fan who's seen a leaky defense game in game out I'm jealous of that um Vardy has scored in his sixth consecutive Premier League game for Leicester um that's amazing people that's his best streak since his record-breaking eleven people. Like he scored, he scored in six. He scored, he scored in his six consecutive game. People, and he's got what eight goals or something. I could be wrong, but he's doing his thing. Only Arsenal nine and Liverpool seven has Leicester. Leicester striker Jamie Vardy scored more Premier League goals than he has against Everton. So yeah, man, he fancies the big occasions. Um, moving on to United, the only kind of you know made it good for the week. They managed to see Arsenal's result as they will go one better and we'll both draw. They drew against Villa now. Beating Villa at, at your place isn't easy, is it? I've got to be shameless as an Arsenal fan because we beat Aston Villa at our place. But it's a good two point. It's a good point to and two goals for forever um, for Aston Villa. I felt they deserved it from the highlights. They started well. I mean, there's not really a case for Jack Grealish not to be called up into the England squad. Um, Oli Golasolsha sounded a bit mad in the sense of he said his league, the league position is not a concern after the draw. Um, they've um, that leaves United ninth after fourteen games. They've taken just eighteen points from fourteen league games. People, um, that means Solskjaer must guide them to wins in their next three games if they're to get if they're to surpass Jose Mourinho's twenty six um, when he was sacked after seventeen games in twenty eighteen nineteen. And I'm sure many people are on to Ole Gunnar and questioning his credentials as United manager as well. So, yeah, that 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 flips it on its head, people. Shout out to Grealish because he's been directly involved in seven goals in the Premier League this season. Three goals, four assists, most of any English player. So when you're looking at Madison and Mount, who have been playing quite well, Grealish has, might be looking at the English squad and be feeling hard done by having not had a call-up, people. You know, um, United's United's current point tallies, current point tally people, and ha- having it been on just eighteen points, that's their worst since nineteen eighty nine. People, which is quite mad. Um, excluding penalties, Aston Villa have scored, have conceded, sorry, more goals from set pieces than any other side in the Premier League this season. Um, Man United, we know Man United have a leaky defense. They've kept just two clean sheets in their last twenty five games in the competition, conceding thirty six goals. Defence is the foundation for any success and of course we're quick to praise we can use Leicester, quick to mention Vardy, um, Madison and all these guys, but at the end of the day just they've had a great defence. They've conceded the, the least goals, if not the most the least goals, sorry, in the Premier League. Defence is defence wins you titles, defence makes the difference. Your strikers obviously are there, but it's about not conceding at the end of the day. There's two sides of football um in that regards, people. Um it is it is what it is. Um, Freddie Lomberg still believes, obviously, Arsenal can get into the top four. I just thought I'd mention that he's, he replied 100% after the game against Norwich. He's obviously got to say that. I don't believe anyone's done that in about 14 years in the position we've been in, people, which is a bit crazy. Um, if we just quickly now talk about the games that are to come... <clears throat> 12th place, Bournemouth travel to Crystal Palace, people, which is going to be a decent game. Bournemouth are looking to avoid back-to-back defeats against Crystal Palace for the first time since losing um, a run of three between 1975 and 1988. Both teams both teams have scored in all four Premier League meetings between the sides at Selhurst Park. 
there's been 17 goals netted in total in these games. So that might be one for the betters um, in terms of both teams to score, expected goals and whatnot. Um, that could be one to, 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 um, to feature. Bournemouth obviously lost in London um, in their previous game and they haven't travelled well to London. They've lost their last five games in the Premier League in London, shipping 19 goals. Um, prior to that, though, they had just one one loss in their previous six. So that might be something for Eddie Howe to think about where potentially he's going wrong from a coaching perspective. Obviously, the players have to think about what's going wrong. Um, five of Harry Wilson's Premier League goals, five of Prem Harry Wilson's six Premier League goals have been scored away from Bournemouth's home ground. So he could be one to do that. Um, having obviously gone previously a run of 13 without a goal in the Premier League, um, I'm sure Jamie, Jamie Vardy, I'm sure Harry, well, why is it printing the wrong things? I'm sure Wilfred Zaha will be looking to score in back-to-back -back Premier League games. Hey, this computer is moving dyslexic, man. How's it putting the names in the wrong places? So I'm really having to look at what I'm saying, people. Um, so, yeah, moving away from this, let's get off this game and this, this shoddy print job. The word printers are dead. Apologies for the rustling, people. City are going to have to travel to Bournemouth and provide a reaction, people. They're going to have to provide a reaction. For Burnley, will they Burnley? Sorry, will Burnley be able to do it? It's it's tenth versus third, which is Manchester City now. Sounds mad saying they're third, but City only won this fixture one 0 last season. Burnley have won just one of their last ten games between the two sides and whatnot. Um, since beating them in twenty fifteen, it's crazy. Manchester City have conceded at least two goals in their last two uh, league games. League games in the league. City are winless in their last two Premier League away games, people. It is quite crazy. None of Bournemouth... I keep saying Bournemouth. None of Burnley's last 14 Premier League games, people, have ended in a draw. So, you probably expect someone to score there. Um, so, we'll see what happens. That's going to be a bit of a tasty game, ain't it, people, really? Um, you've got Chelsea versus Villa, 4th versus 15th. Chelsea have won their last four Premier League games against Aston Villa by an aggregate scoreline of 15-1. Villa have lost their, have lost eight of their last nine meetings with Chelsea, last beating them in 2014. Um, Chelsea have lost just one of their last 55 home games against promoted sides, people. Um, Villa have lost their last eight Premier League games in London, conceding at least twice in seven of those games. Villa have picked up just one point from their available 39 available in Premier League games against side start in the day in the top floor. That's uh, top four. That's crazy. Chelsea have already lost more of their seven home games this season than they did in 19 at Stamford Bridge last term under Sarri. That's mad as well, really. Interestingly, Lampard has lost three of his last meetings as manager against Villa. All in the championship, obviously, with Derby last season. And I'm sure that's bitter memories because one of them was in a playoff final. Which is sad. United haven't been dealt an easy hand. It's the Jose Mourinho Derby. He plays his former club. He travels to his former club. It sounds weird saying former club and it not being Chelsea. But it's Man United. United have lost three of their last seven home games against Spurs. Spurs have lost more games against Manchester United than they have against any team in the competition. Spurs have won both. Spurs won both meetings between Manchester United. Wait, sorry, that was where, that was wrong. The away side won both Premier League meetings between United and and Spurs last season. So, by that logic, Spurs Spurs are going to win. Jose is going to win, isn't it? Tottenham won their last away game against against West Ham, picking up as many points in that game as they did in the previous twelve on the road, which is a mad thing. Uh, Manchester United, as I've previously said, have only kept two clean sheets in their last 25. I know, you, well, I swear Spurs don't travel to Old Trafford well. They haven't. I know they've won there, but they don't typically travel there. But they should relish it, man. They should relish scoring goals. Jose should relish getting one over. Jose Mourinho, I want to see knee slides and all of that stuff if you score. Just as a neutral, I want to see a villain, man. I want to see a proper villain. I want to see pantomime villain. Deli Ali should be confident, obviously, with his form that we spoke about earlier as well, people. Um, so that's going to be a good one. You've obviously got Southampton playing against Norwich, two teams that have claimed points of Arsenal with recent fixtures. Um, I'm sure both teams will want to bounce back, as will West Ham when they travel to sixth place Wolves. Who West Ham are obviously 13th. Wolves won both the Premier League meetings um, between the two sides last year. 
West Ham have won just one of their last seven against Wolves away from home, people. Wolves are obviously chasing, trying to remain unbeaten in, in 10 consecutive top flight games for the first time since the 70s, people, 1972. Um, Cresswell, you better score because I'm going to put you in my fantasy league. You've got the Merseyside derby. Ironically, I should really talk about the FA Cup draw. Arsenal got Leeds, but um, I believe Liverpool drew Everton, but they meet each other in the Premier League. First versus 17th. Fortunes of the two current clubs could not be any different. Liverpool unbeaten in 17 games against Everton. Everton, the last time Everton won was in 1999 when a former Arsenal man, Kevin Campbell, struck. Everton have failed to score in seven of their last 11 meetings with Liverpool. In the last four, they've only just netted once. It's going to be crazy. I've, I've said to you lot people, Everton concede the most 90-minute or stoppage time goals in the league this season. On the flip side, no side has scored more than Liverpool. Do I really need to write that story for you lot, people? No, I don't. So let's move on from Liverpool. We know the dynamics of that game, people. We already know what to expect in that game. Now, I'm sure we should get on to Arsenal. And if you forgive me, people, you're about to hear my camera flick on. And you're about to hear it tap. Or you should. Yeah, there you did. As I'm saying now, people, let's move on. We've had the rest of the Premier League action. We might as well speak about Arsenal versus Brighton. Now, it's not a game for tactics. How Lomberg will look to go out there and deploy the team, who knows? I probably will do a tactics video for my YouTube channel. But um, I don't know. I think we should go 4-3-3 again. Um, he'll probably play Xhaka again. I mean, Xhaka didn't play bad by any means necessarily any worse than anyone else against um who did who did we play in our last game like norwich um so he might play but we've we again we need to we need to arsenal need to start winning games man i could sit here and say this stuff we need a reaction we need this we need that if the players want top four something which hasn't been done in like 14 years in the position we're in people if that they've got to prove it they've got to prove it we've heard them we've we've heard them we've heard them say it people we've heard them we've heard them sit here and say they want it they have to do it now it's freddie lomberg's first game at the emirates his second game as manager and what i'm hoping is that there's a reaction sparked if nothing more because as much as it weren't the best of performances i'm not criticizing Lomberg because he can't change anything in this period yet um whatever way we looked at it for 20 minutes there was for first thing we're passing forward we're looking to win the ball back quicker it looked like players have been mentally freed and they're playing with a bit more spring in their step, typically seen when new managers walk into clubs. Um, typically, um, technically people, there was more... We had 16 shots, which surely is our, our most away from home at a period point, people, and whatnot. We had 16 shots, we had 21. We only did that twice this season, which was 26, 26 against Spurs and 21 against Villa, I believe Optostat said, which I'm sure we had... I mean, well, no, it's not wrong because Emery was pretty poor in terms of shooting. So there's an improvement there. Instantly, Lomberg has told them, yo, we're going to try and pass the ball forward and shoot more. It hasn't been perfect. Obviously, I get Lomberg's logic when he was saying it's a clean slate and you've got to kind of prove to the team that it's a clean slate. But I didn't understand Mustafi playing. To be fair, everybody's been terrible, so you can't really knock it. But as seen with Mustafi at the weekend, anytime it matters or games that really matter, Mustafi's going to be Mustafi, people, really and truly. Um... So there were some positives to obviously take from from the game against Bournemouth people, Bournemouth, um, Bournemouth Norwich, Brighton are our, our, our next opponents. They've conceded eleven goals in their last five games. They've kept one clean sheet. People, they've got two wins in their last five. So in terms of poor form, we've both been poor. But Brighton, sorry, have a lot to to to, to scare us people. They have a lot. Don't you remember when our neighbour Spurs played them, equally like us was in poor form and they lost. They lost three 0 Aaron Connolly got to announce himself. He's a very direct Republic of Ireland international. Did he not play on in his in his last game or Brighton's last game against Liverpool? I swear he played through the middle. He can play on the flanks. He should be relishing taking on Arsenal's players and whatnot. Um, so we've got to be we've got to be wary of these things, people. They did okay against Liverpool. To be fair with you, it's a two one two one two one um two one loss. When they lost three one to to United away from home, they did okay in that game. Like I said, they beat. Spurs 3-0 so they're not no one to underestimate and to be fair even if you did want to underestimate them can Arsenal fans afford to underestimate anyone in the current form we're in that would be idiotic to say the least to do that people um we sit eighth um and whatnot people we need to get back to winning ways 
Arsenal have never lost a home game against Brighton in any competition, winning six, drawing two and keeping six clean sheets in the process. We Similar to Norwich, we travel poorly to Norwich. Brighton should have every confidence that, yo, this ain't Liverpool, we can get three points against Arsenal. They're here for the taking, they're mincemeat sort of thing because they're unbeaten in their last three games against us people. They've won one, drawing two. They've never gone four without defeat against them against us in all competitions. Obviously, we've as poor we've as we've been this season, we've only lost one of our last twenty five Premier League home games. Sadly though, we're winless in our last three, which is crazy. Twenty twelve was the last time we went four without a victory. This is it's a bit of a weird stat I've got here, but it's Brighton's first ever Premier League game on a Thursday, people. Which we'll see what that's saying. Um Brighton are winless in six away games in the league, losing five and drawing one. They've only scored three on that run. All three goals have been scored by defenders with Lewis Dunk netting two on the road. So with that being said, that means they're turning into Barcelona and they're going to turn into a free scoring team. If I was them, I would play direct, tell Aaron Connolly to, to run at us. Arsenal is a well-documented book that we are poor at set pieces. Their defenders are scoring the most goals. Again, without going and looking at all the goals they scored, you can guarantee a couple of them, if not the majority of them, originated from set pieces. Do I really need to spell it out as to why these players need to be switched on from set pieces? And if they're doing zonal marking, really understand what they're doing? You lot watch Deluded, so I'm pretty sure you're intelligent to comprehend that, so I'm not going to bore you with such people. Um, we need to remember, interestingly enough, Aubameyang scored, nothing to do with him, but Aubameyang gave us the lead inside the first 10 minutes in both the Premier League games against them last season, people. But Brighton came back to draw, so game management is going to be a vital thing. We need to play with confidence, we need to play with a swagger, and I think Lundberg will, ex will, ex will expect that and will want them to. It's his first game at home. He doesn't want us to play like cowards. Um, this is a chance to reconnect with the fans and show, listen, I'm not Emery, I'm not perfect, I don't know if this is going to be a good spell. But I'm one of you sort of thing and give the fans something because it looks like it is a mad season. Like it is a mad season. We're not going to get much from this, people. There's no way around it. Um, nothing positive is probably going to come of this season from an Arsenal perspective. I hope that to be the case, though, people. Moving forward, and I might as well bore you with the same old Arsenal stuff that keeps coming up really and truly. <sighs> Every minute we're manager search, we've got shortlists and this and that. Apparently, we've got 12 contenders on that shortlist. This is what the mirror is reporting, people. Um, and we're apparently, we're trying to cut it down to a further four or five within a week. Now, five, that could be the typical names. If we wouldn't say Allegri, because you're hearing things come out that he didn't impress in his last interview. Concerns over bringing all his backroom staff. And also concerns over his language, language barrier similar to Emery. So you can rule him out. But the names you've seen linked, you've seen Arteta, you've heard Arteta's a big one. Um, you've obviously got Brendan Rodgers, who you're hearing is going to be 14 million to, to 12 to 14 million to get to, to prize him from them. Pochettino's been on that list, similar to Rodgers. Apparently, we'll have to negotiate something with Levy. I don't know why or how it works out to get him. So when you look at the maths, it rules out quite a few people. We'll never know what the club is truly thinking, but just... I urge the club to take their time, not take their time for the sake of taking their time, but I pre preach, better yet, due diligence. Make sure the manager is clear of what he wants to do, clear of what he wants to do, how he wants to play. Obviously, managers will make mistakes and he'll have to reinvent himself, but nine times out of ten, clear of what he wants to do. We're able to see that in relative time periods when, when the time permits. And he, and he closely matches the values to Arsenal. If not directly, he tries to play attractive football. Now, for me, people, way before we can play attractive football in that, he needs to be able to improve a defence. I want to... People... I'm, I grew up on Arsene Wenger. If Arsene Wenger was not Arsenal manager, I would not be making deluded videos and making podcasts. Nobody loves attacking football and pointless triangles and, and not putting the ball in the back of the net when you should more than me. But all of that is irrelevant if you can't bloody defend. I'm sorry. We need to get... I'm not saying they have to be defensive, but they need to have a clear system to how we improve defensively. Just psychologically, the team as well, how we actually look at defending people, for me personally. Um, so whoever that is, whatever it is, um, whatever, whoever it is, we'll have to see people. Um, obviously, obviously, we'll have to see because... Like that rules out Allegri. I'd say, I'd say for now it rules out Brendan Rodgers. It rules out Allegri. It rules out Pochettino. If we were to rate, wait and try and prize 
Rodgers, maybe he can get that negotiated down, but why would Leicester let him go? The only reason you could try and get Rodgers is you could, if you could advise him or try and find out where he chills, you can try and say to him, listen, how many managers have you seen, not in your position, but you've seen win league titles and the next day they're sacked, next time they're sacked. Do you want to be that? What happens if they t Arsenal, the team is messed up and whatnot. But what happens if, obviously, Liverpool don't have to sell Madison and not, let's don't have to sell Madison these players, but they, they probably say, what happens when you, when when Leicester want to sell these players, the Indeedies, the Madisons, whatever? What happens when Jamie Vardy gets sold? What happens when this team gets pulled apart as Chilwell and Madison continue to become England internationals and want to join Harry Maguire and playing for the most reputable clubs, whether it's right or wrong, um, in England? How, what happens then? What happens if you, similar to Poch, you hit that glass ceiling where your coaching and whatnot doesn't do the thing? You're playing well, you're keeping clean sheets, you're scoring goals, but what if this doesn't happen next year? These are the only things that could tempt Rodgers to, to leave. But it'd be silly for Rodgers to leave mid-season. It'd be silly. Rodgers shows, I wouldn't say ambition, but he'll show, because that's not necessarily the right word, because would I say at this moment, beyond Arsenal being Arsenal and Leicester being Leicester, is it necessarily an ambitious move? You can say yes, you can say no. But he's shown that he would make a move if he deems it. He had a good thing going for him at Celtic. He went to Leicester. No disrespect to Leicester, but people would have said, yo, Celtic, Champions League football, this, that, Roddy, Roddy, we, this, that, and the other. Why did you go there? Why did you go there? When, why'd you go to Leicester? Now they're seeing what he's saying at Leicester. They might be saying the same thing goes to Arsenal. So maybe that carrot and challenge can tempt Rodgers, but I think it'd be idiotic for him to to leave Leicester tomorrow or any time soon, at least until May. Even then, depending on what they're saying, I wouldn't leave personally either. Away from that, though, people, Pochettino has said, um, he's spoken about projects and that, and he doesn't seem like someone who wants a rest. He said, there are lots of clubs and attractive projects for me to take on, but for the time being, the most important thing is for me to clear my head after five and a half incredible seasons with Tottenham. So that rules him, for me, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it rules him out because anything can happen in football, but it rules him out. I ruled out Pochettino because Pochettino's not coming. Apparently, there's compensation that needs to be paid. It's... He's someone that, bre obviously, people change, but he's loyal when that. He said he wouldn't manage rivals in Argentina, his playing days in Spain. Do you get it? So he's not going to do, he's not an Arsenal or Spurs fan or grew up in North London, but he's not going to be on that. Obviously, money talks and ambition, and if you could prize him with some ambition and say these things, different things happen. But I don't think it, it would make sense for him to go to, go to Arsenal. There's rumours of Bayern Munich. There's a, you never know what can happen between now and the end of the season with managers in top jobs. It would make sense for him to wait. But he seems like if the right project is there, why wouldn't he? It that's, Boy, if he obviously George Graham has managed both clubs. But boy, if he was to so soon go and do both, who knows what would happen? Not that anything could happen, but it is what it is, people. Um, moving on from that, Lomberg spoke on Lomberg. Aubameyang spoken on Lomberg and he said, Everybody is respectful of Freddie. He played for Arsenal. He, as an Arsenal player, knows how we feel. We've only had one session with him, maybe two for those guys who didn't play on Thursday. We'll see this week what is going to happen. He gives us something special. If I'm not wrong, he was part of the Invincibles. His career speaks for itself. We'll try to follow him and give the best for him. Now, obviously, they were saying that on the Lom on the Emre people, but I'm sure they weren't. It weren't in that many words. It was very diplomatic under Emre, and that's what you're hoping with Lomberg. If nothing more from this season, we can all just pull in the same direction and put in some credible performances, people. And following on from from Aubameyang, um, Joe Willock. What I like about Willock is he calls it as it is as well. Um, paraphrase his words slightly differently. He said. To be honest, we know collectively that we need to improve whoever the manager. Freddie is a brilliant manager. We believe in him. We're going to try to work and improve. He said the most important thing was to play with happiness, to get the pride in the badge back and to work to win. Every day in training, we're trying to get that competitive back. I feel our luck is going to turn in one game and we can push from there. It's coming, hopefully. Friday is in the past now. Emery was a very good man, a very good manager. And that's true. Joel, I mean, he's inexperienced on the face of it, but coming from academies, he's had numerous managers. It's a part of life. Um, what I like about that is at least whether Lomb Time will tell whether Lombard can actually coach and do his thing, but at least they're willing to give man a chance. And it's down to him to take it. And Yeah, man, it was nice. If nothing more, Lombard, just get us passing the ball forward a bit more, which he was doing, people. On the theme with... 
Aubameyang though. So Bamba apparently said on Five Live that Aubameyang said, and this is his words, he, which is Aubameyang, said to me, the Barca and Madrid stories are just rumours. He's happy in London, but he wants to win trophies. Like all top players, they want to win things. At the moment, he's happy, but if Arsenal doesn't do the right thing, he's going to leave. And to be honest, do we really need to harp on about that? If I was a Aubameyang, I wouldn't stay quiet. Away from trophies, coaches and stuff, would you necessarily feel this is the most ambitious club? At the moment, you can't say yes, really, because Van Persie has been telling you, Cesc was telling you, uh, what's his face? Ox tried to tell, man, um, Ramsey wanted to stay, but it's a blessing in disguise because even though he's not playing at Juventus, he'll probably get some titles there. So we'll see what is going to happen, people. We'll really have to see what is going to happen in that regards. But for now, it's been a lovely podcast. I'm going to get out of here, people. Like, it's just, it's, yeah, man, there's not really any much more to stay. I'm here 15 minutes longer, probably than I thought I'd be, but yeah, on that note, DG, I'm out.